the Rural Health Voice, Episode 67, Travel Nurses. Welcome to the Rural Health Voice. I am Beth O'Connor, your host. We discuss rural health issues at the grassroots level and how state and federal policies play out in our local communities. What are the benefits and drawbacks of being a travel nurse? Destiny Davidson joined me to discuss the path of her nursing career. So welcome, Destiny. Hello. Uh, we're so glad to have you here. And so I understand you're a nurse, but let's let's lay some basic groundwork. What's the difference between like an LPN and RN and a BSN? I know we throw a nurse out there like it's just one thing, but it's really different things, isn't it? It is. Um, as far as a, an RN and an RN that has a bachelor's degree, there's not much of a difference. Uh, it's same license, same job. There are some places where you can get a higher pay rate if you have a bachelor's degree or if you're wanting to pursue higher education. Of course, you'll have to get the bachelor's to step on to further education past that. But the job is very much the same. LPNs, um, there's not much of a difference there either. LPNs used to be utilized a lot in hospitals. Hospitals have moved away from that. Um, I think a lot of RNs would like to see LPNs utilized in a hospital setting again, uh, just to kind of help with staffing issues. But there really was very little um, as far as what an RN could do that an LPN couldn't do, and that did vary by state. Sure. So some was just scope of practice issues. Yes. Yeah. So which one are you? RN with the bachelor's. All right. So why did you decide to become a nurse? I had wanted to be a nurse uh, growing up. And it was either be a nurse or I wanted to do hair. <laughs> and <laughs> I actually went on to do hair and got licensed in cosmetology. And I loved it. And I developed an allergy to everything, all of the color, the perms, everything, mm. and I couldn't do it anymore. So I thought I would pursue healthcare, and uh, I started clinicals, and I saw the first person die, and it I didn't do well with it. <laughs> so I waited a few years and then tested the water again um, because I I was always kind of fascinated by nurses. I thought it was a respectable career. Um, you got to help people. So it was something that I was, you know, seemed like a great job opportunity and you could get a job anywhere. So it seemed like a really good idea. Um, and I just kind of dove in head first. And when I first met you, you weren't a nurse yet and you're recovering from surgery because you had donated a kidney. Mm -hmm. Did you donate because of a family member? No, no, it was actually uh, an anonymous donation. And I say that, but we actually did meet in the process of testing prior to the surgery. So why'd you decide to go through all of that for somebody you didn't even know? Well, I had started school, um, all the prerequisites for nursing, and had started learning about kidney donation. And it kind of fascinated me. Um, I had been hearing about it not only through school, but I'd been hearing about it on TV. And I had just lost my mom to ALS probably about a year before the surgery ended up happening. And it felt like an opportunity to do for someone to give them time that I wasn't able to get 
with my mom. So it just, it felt like the right thing to do. Oh, that's an amazingly generous thing to do. How did that process change how you view healthcare? I had a great experience when I was donating a kidney. Um, there was a lot of testing before um, and then a lot of follow-up appointments after. All of those were great experiences. Um, the facility that we used was phenomenal. The doctors, the nurses, uh, the coordinators, psychologists, the patient advocates, everything. It, every experience I had was, was positive. And how long have you been a nurse? Five years now. What's your favorite part? My favorite part. It's going to sound like a generic answer, and it's probably something every nurse would say, but I can't think of a better way to say it other than, you know, when you actually feel like you've helped someone. Well, I'm guessing everybody in nursing would say that because <laughs> that's why they got into nursing. Yeah. You yeah. want to help people. It, it can be very rewarding. How has nursing changed as a profession during COVID? There are protocols that change, sometimes frequently, sometimes daily. It's become stressful. Uh, okay, for as an example, um, you know, visitation is very limited now, and that makes it hard on the patient. Um, it's it's hard on the nurse because the patients are lonely and scared because there's no one there with them. Um, and that's COVID patients and non-COVID patients. Um, Non-COVID patients, depending on the facility, has gotten a little more relaxed with visitation, but it's still a lot more limited than it was before COVID. But that's definitely added to uh, the mental stress. There were definitely stretched much more thin. The patient, the patients are sicker, and there are less hands on deck. There's still a, an effort to minimize exposure, so there's less people in the room, there's less people on the unit, there's less contact with patients, and that's not only from nurses, but physicians. There are some specialties that don't even enter the room unless it's necessary. There are procedures that sometimes aren't done. For example, if a COVID patient was to have an MI, you know, they might not have an opportunity to go to the cath lab if the cath lab has a protocol in place that denies uh, COVID positive patients from a procedure um, just because it's, uh, it's risky and exposes more staff. Uh, e even um, if a patient goes into cardiac arrest, um, the amount of people that are allowed in the room is less than it used to be, which means everyone in there um, works harder. So you have fewer people taking turns doing chest compressions. I'm trying to give you as many examples as I can think of. <laughs> I, I think uh, there's been a lot of mental anguish and definitely an increase in PTSD in nursing, especially in critical care nursing. Um, there's been an increase in suicide among healthcare workers. It's been traumatic in a lot of ways, and I think. Uh, it's actually been worse this year than in 2020. Depending on the department you work in, you could witness um, the death of someone young, a baby, a toddler, a teenager. And 2021 has had a lot more death of younger people than it did in the first wave. And that's um, caused a lot of PTSD among healthcare workers. Well, I'm sure that's part of those increased suicide rates as well. It is, yes. 
Now, something else that's different in 2021 is we now have a vaccine. Yes. And President Biden just issued a mandate that pretty much all healthcare workers must be vaccinated by January 4th. What do you see happening because of that requirement? For the most part, most hospitals have went ahead and mandated it. Um, There's a handful of hospitals that have waited for the federal mandate before they would initiate any kind of mandate for their employees. But for the hospitals that have already made it a requirement of employment with uh, exceptions of religious or medical exemptions, you know, for the most part, people who really didn't want the vaccine still ended up getting it because they wanted to keep their job. And for the most part, that's how it's going to be at every facility. There will be people who will leave the field. But I mean, even in the facilities where it's optional, more than half are already vaccinated. And there will be people who will complain, but they're still going to do it. I don't think it's um, anything that's going to put any more of a strain on the system than the system is already strained. And you used to work for a hospital system, but you're now a travel nurse, correct? Yes. So what does it mean to be a a travel nurse? Are you zipping across the country, bouncing from one hospital (laughs) to the next each day? It varies, and it can really be whatever you want it to be. Um, There's so much opportunity that comes with travel nursing. If you want to take short contracts and bounce around and visit a variety of places, that's an option. If you want to continue to extend contracts with one facility that you're happy with, that is an option. Um, Some people will extend and work somewhere for an entire year because they really like where they're at, and then they'll move on. You get a lot of options as far as how much time you want to take off. Uh, You know, if you want to work, some contracts are eight weeks, some contracts are 13 weeks. You can take off as much time in between those as you want. You can take off time in the middle of them um, as long as the facility will approve it. There's a lot of choices as far as what company you want to work with and what recruiter you want to work with in that company. There's a lot of control over the schedule. You know, if you're just wanting to vacation, if you want to go to Hawaii, you know, you can go work in Hawaii (laughs) and on your days off, enjoy Hawaii. You know, it, and it's like a half of your week is a vacation every week. And that's while you're working. That's not even when you are between contracts and taking vacations. Um, you can choose your agency based on whatever their benefits package is. Um, if you are someone who is looking for certain benefits, which is actually what inspired me to become a travel nurse is I did not have very good health insurance with the hospital system I was working with. So I decided to become a travel nurse and signed up with an agency that offered much better medical benefits than I was currently receiving. So so wait, wait, wait. So you were working for a hospital, but you did not have good health insurance. Correct. Wow. That's, that seems, um, Ironic. That, that's, that seems a bit backwards. Yeah. I, I did not know what a high deductible plan was until I was draining my savings account. Yeah. So were there other things about the culture at that hospital that influenced your decision to become a travel nurse? In all honesty, I loved my job and I wanted to stay in my job. Um, I loved my schedule. I loved the position. Um, I was actually working a the ER, ED. 
And I loved that job and I hated to leave. But like I said, I had drained my savings account (laughs) and we were getting ready to roll over. So (laughs) um, my son had just got diagnosed with vitiligo, which was, we had been using some very expensive creams, but they were wanting to start light therapy, which was going to be an out-of-pocket cost with a dermatologist three days a week. And it was going to eat up, you know, all of the income just to pay for having the vitiligo treated. So I really kind of felt like my only option was to find another job that was going to offer better insurance so that I could take him for his vitiligo treatments. Sure, because you've got to be able to take care of your own family. Right. <laughs> so you, you talked about the the various benefits of being a travel nurse. Are there any drawbacks? There are. Um, of course, you are away from home. Um, one of the reasons I did love my job is it was right down the road, and it was 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. <laughs> so I hated to leave that, um, and I, I, I am very prone to being homesick. Um, so I am one of those people that likes to take time off in, bet- in between my contracts because it allows me to get caught up with being home, being with my family, my husband, my kids, my dogs. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm not very, I'm not a workaholic. And another thing travel nursing offers is the flexibility of picking up a contract where they want to work you a lot of overtime and you get to make all the money you want or you can take a contract where they will only want you to work um, three 12-hour shifts so you know there's a lot of flexibility there as far as like how much you want to work what shift you want to work what schedule you want to work you can request uh, block scheduling which is, say, if you want to work at a facility for three shifts a week, you can do um, six in a row and then have eight days off in between those um, and just find a facility that's willing to work with that. Some facilities won't because you are basically there to fill a hole in the scheduling um, from a staffing shortage on their end so that they'll want you pretty much to be available whenever you can be. There's so much opportunity. If whatever you're looking for, you can find with travel nursing. You mentioned filling the gaps. I've seen a bunch of blame placed on travel nurses and the companies that employing them saying that travel nurses are taking advantage of the pandemic to price gouge. How do you respond to that? It feels a lot like with nursing because nursing is considered a compassionate field that you should just accept lower wages. And that's really not fair. I was not making good wages before I started travel nursing. I left my staff job to be a travel nurse before COVID. It was actually in the middle of my first contract. (laughs) So that was also a learning experience. Um, But because we were expecting this large influx of patients, hospitals were scrambling to make sure there was enough staff for a surge. A really good example, um, New York City in March and April when the surge hit there, they were offering several thousand a week to go work in New York City. There have been several opportunities like that as COVID waves have come and gone. And I don't fault any nurse who is going to risk the trauma 
of watching patients die back to back to back, um, you should definitely be compensated for that. <laughs> you should be compensated well. Yeah, sure. I mean, you're you're providing a service. That service has value. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't work for for free or for low wages right. because what I do has value. You know, why why should any anyone in any profession do that mm-hmm. just because of what they do? Um, you know, as you said, it's, it's a compassionate service. You know, we do things that help care for individuals, but that doesn't mean that care should be cheap, right? And you talked about, you know, big reason why you left was the health insurance um, concern. Mm-hmm. How can hospitals create an environment which encourages nurses to stay? So providing health insurance sounds like a, a good first step. What else? I think the very first step really before even benefits is to create an environment where from the top down, there is a culture of appreciation. And this isn't speaking just for nurses. Um, All departments within a hospital feel very unappreciated and undervalued. But as a nurse and a travel nurse who is part of a lot of nurses that have left their jobs to travel because there are contracts that, you know, it's hard to say no. How do you how do you pass up an increase in pay that's six, seven, eight times more than you're making? Uh, I mean, you know, uh, I don't fault anyone who leaves their job for a better opportunity and more money, sometimes better benefits, sometimes a better schedule, sometimes more control over your schedule, sometimes more free time, you know, and you get paid better. <laughs> so. It, you know, to fault a nurse for taking those opportunities when they're available. I mean, I I don't know a single CEO that is frustrated with nurses who have left their jobs to go travel for more money that are willing to take a pay cut themselves. Sure. If you want to show that the nurses have value, then maybe showing how that value is part of the overall financial picture is what makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there, there aren't many CEOs who would do their job for a nurse salary. <laughs> There's not a lot of people in any executive position would do their job for a nurse salary. Yes. <laughs> um, when I, I graduated nursing school five and a half years ago, and the first job that was offered to me when they told me what my starting wage was going to be, I was very shocked because it was only $3 more an hour than what I know nurses were making 20 years prior to that. Mm. And when I left my job to travel, I was only making three more dollars than that. So <laughs> hmm. um, that's a $6 pay increase on the hour with not good benefits in a little over 20 years for the same facility, for the same job. And we certainly know that inflation went up more than that in those 20 years. Yes. <laughs> yeah. With travel nurses, you know, a big reason why people are working as travel nurses and why there are companies that employment is that nurses are very much needed. We know that nationwide and very definitely in Virginia's rural communities, there is an overall shortage of nurses what do you see as the solution to addressing the nursing shortage? 
I think nurses, like a lot of other careers right now, are very burnt out. Um, it's been stressful. Uh, it's been mentally exhausting, physically exhausting, emotionally exhausting. And they want to feel like they're valued. And I would love to go back to the job I had before I started traveling if it would pay me well and treat me well. There would be no question. I would quit traveling and go right back to being staff at the hospital right down the road if it thought that I was worth paying well and treating me well. And I think <laughs> I, I think this is not just a, even a, a nursing problem or a hospital problem. It's a problem in a lot of industries right now where, you know, they're having a hard time finding employees. But this is definitely not a new problem in a rural area. And, of course, I could also address locums. You know, the nurses aren't the only one who will take opportunities um, for contracts away from home because sometimes those contracts will pay more than the job right down the road and they have to pay those physicians or other providers much more money than they were paying the physician that they had on staff but that's never really been complained about but when nurses start taking the opportunity it becomes an issue to complain about. I interviewed a different nurse a few months ago and she was talking about you know of her graduating class from nursing school Almost everybody had dropped out and was no longer in nursing. They didn't drop out of nursing school, but once once they got into the profession, they quit, you know, within a matter of, of very short years, you know, one to two years. Mm -hmm. Do you think, you know, and I'm, I'm sure it wasn't her class that is an exception. I think this happens quite a bit. Do you think that there are people out there who are trained as nurses who would come back to nursing if they felt that they were being compensated appropriately and treated with respect? Not all, but some, absolutely. If someone's considering nursing as a career, what advice would you give that person? What, what all do they need to consider? That's a great question, and I've actually had this conversation with my daughter. <laughs> so I'm not new to this subject. I would always suggest to ex get experience working inside of a hospital system. I did not do that, and I don't regret my decision to become a nurse, but I think that there would have been a lot less surprises for me if I had already had some sort of experience working either as a certified nurse assistant, as an LPN, even um, working in housekeeping. Just something that gave me exposure to the inner workings of a hospital. I think the shock would have been a lot less than it was when I first became a nurse. And I, I think that that's really the issue is they become nurses and it's not what they thought it was going to be, even with clinicals and every all the other experience you get in nursing school once the responsibility is actually yours and it's very stressful for the pay that was being offered. So what do you think was the most shocking for you when you got out of nursing school and saw the real world? For me, it was the amount of responsibility that fell on my shoulders. I thought nursing was a very prestigious career. And when I actually became a nurse 
and took on the responsibility that came with the job, I felt like I was at the bottom of any kind of respect. I, I didn't feel like it, I was respected in my job. And it could come from every direction, every department. And I, I don't know how to explain it except to maybe say everything is the nurse's fault. <laughs> Always, forever, every day, every night. Um, anything that goes wrong is your fault. There was a lot to monitor. There was a lot of information to relay to a lot of people all day long. Uh, a lot of procedures I had to be familiar with in a short amount of time. A lot of extra training, a lot of equipment to learn and to still feel very undervalued, underappreciated and underpaid um, was a shock. So my last question, the question I ask all my guests, if you could do anything, what would you do to improve health and health care in rural America? If you want to improve health care, and I'm, I'm thinking of where I live in a very rural part of Virginia um, and the barriers to access that I have witnessed is a lack of specialized care. Where I live, transportation is a problem that has been effectively, I, I don't want to say solved, but it's addressed. Um, you know, uh, there are a lot of very smart, talented people who have addressed a lot of barriers for people in my community. And one of the greatest ones that I've witnessed is access to transportation. We don't have public transport in rural areas like you would think of in other parts of the country that where they have buses, metro, subways, all of those things. But you can get free transportation here, not just to go to the doctor. You can get free transportation for school to go to the grocery store, all of that. And I'm so glad that that's been addressed. But nonetheless, it's very hard to get specialized care here. And I think it's because it is so hard to attract even very basic care, um, just a regular family practice physician, and then have that office staffed with quality nurses and all of the other staff involved in that. Then you go on to the rural community hospitals that don't offer things like neurology don't offer nephrology, other services that patients here do need access to, but they can't get it. Um, and we're really not even appropriately staffing the most basic care. I would think the first step to addressing health care in rural Virginia is to attract quality health care providers across the board. And that's just the first step. And then you can start addressing all the other problems. All right. Then. Thank you, Destiny. We so much appreciate your time for today. Thank you so much for having me. It is an honor. That's Destiny Davidson advocating for incentives to encourage providers to consider rural communities. If you want to be part of the conversation about rural health, make sure you check out our social media accounts. Visit our website at vrha.org and click the Facebook and Twitter logos on the top right of the page. The Rural Health Voice is the podcast of the Virginia Rural Health Association. 
It is sponsored by the Virginia State Office of Rural Health and underwritten by the National Rural Health Association.